Okay, if you've got a Bible, uh, why don't you turn to Isaiah 61? Um, going to just look at a familiar passage of Scripture uh, this morning. I am hoping my wife is going to come back because she's meant to be speaking in a minute. Um, but um, she may have forgotten. Someone may need to prompt her. Um, many of you may be familiar with this passage of Scripture, Isaiah 61. Um, you may um, understand it really as a, a kind of prophetic Scripture that Jesus reads at the start of his ministry. Um, and as he reads this scripture, he makes this audacious claim that the words of the prophet that was spoken, that, that in his reading of the scriptures um, and in reading of this passage, um, he was saying it was being fulfilled in him. That what the prophet said long ago was being fulfilled in Jesus. And so it, sa- it says this in, uh, in verse 1 of Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Many would say that this passage of scripture uh, was Jesus's kingdom mandate. It was a picture of what life looked like when the kingdom arrived, when the kingdom of God was at hand. And, and as the church, we get to carry that mandate. You know, you've, if you've been around this church for a long time, uh, you will know we talk lots about this thing called the kingdom of God. And we talk lots about this particular passage of scripture and this mandate that God gives to Jesus, but also Jesus gives to the church. And, and it becomes... Um, and, and it's because of this mandate that we're doing the things that we do. We're, we're, we're multiplying ourselves out into different locations across the county because of what this passage of Scripture says. Wherever uh, good news needs to be heard, you know, wherever uh, the broken need gathering, wherever the captives need to be set free, this is where and why we will go. This is why we'll do it, because of the words of the Scriptures. Now, we live in an interesting time, don't we? In uh, an interesting time, it's an interesting time to live in Northamptonshire, okay? Northamptonshire is famous for a number of different things. Uh, It's the Rose of the Shires, you know? If you've ever driven into the county, you'll see that sign. But we're also famous right now for being um, the first uh, council... To effectively go bankrupt. Um, I don't know if you've um, been keeping up with the news. And, uh, but if, as you read the press, and as you, um, maybe you 
you kind of put your voice uh, to, to the complaints uh, that we hear. And, and many people are, are kind of asking questions, aren't they? What's going on? How, how could this happen? How could a council lose like millions and millions of pounds? How could there be this shortfall? How could they you know, misrepresent the people in the way that they have? And, and so there's lots of questions, there's lots of sense of unrest going on uh, in our part of the world right now. And um, I, I guess one of the th- questions we could ask is, what's the church's response? What, how do we respond to that? Um, how do we respond as the church? What, what does the church that's called to proclaim good news to the poor, how, how do we respond to what's going on? Well, the kind of church that's called to bind up the brokenhearted, how do we respond uh, to what's happening, uh, or the church that's called to proclaim freedom for the captives, or, or to release people from darkness. What does the church like that do in a moment like this? How do we respond? How do we navigate the reality of what's going on around us? How do we speak hope and life and destiny into, into desolation? Uh, how do we speak life where there isn't any? You know, the impact of, of what's going on economically in our part of the world is going to have the biggest impact on some of our poorest neighbors. We know that, don't we? That there's going to be all sorts of cuts and, and, and things take place that mean some of our poorest neighbors are going to be the ones most effective. And so what is our response? What are we, what are we called to do? How do we respond and i think the answer is kind of found in a, in some way in this passage that we're looking at this morning and so um it goes on in verse 4 and it says this they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the place long devastated they will renew the renewed uh, ruined cities that have been dev- devastated for generations And you see, the implication of this passage of Scripture is that the call of the church, the role of the church, is always to be restorative. That we're we're called to be a people who restore things that are broken. That the things that have been devastated, the things that have been torn apart, we're called to be a people who bring life and rebuild. And actually, what... What we do is, is that we go and we proclaim good news to the poor and we, we bind up the brokenhearted and we bring freedom to the captives and we demonstrate what the kingdom is like. And, and, and then as we gather those people up, we, we, we gather them up and we take them with us and together we restore and rebuild the city. You've often heard me say that um, you know, our vision, uh, the, 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 so the vision of the church isn't a vision for church. That we don't need that much vision for church. Actually, uh, you know, having a vision for church, it's a, it's a noble thing to have, but it's just too low a goal. That actually our vision is for a transformed city. It's for a transformed region. It's to see God's kingdom come and, 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 and make all things new. And so we believe that God has given us, as just one 
church family in this region a part to play. That we, we join hands and we link hands with all our other brothers and sisters in other church families and communities. But we believe he's given us a part to play in seeing this kind of transformation take place. That's why we want to multiply ourselves out. That's why we want to go and build new communities in, in different places. And God has called us to do this. And, and in calling us to do this, he's put tools in our hands. Okay, He's given us tools for the task. One of the tools he's given us is what we've already spoke about this morning, the tool of, of planting ourselves out. Um, this strategy to plant new communities in multiple locations across our county. Communities that we hope that will bring hope and, and love and restoration and renewal um, to the people around them. We also know that God has um, given us a tool in uh, this building that we own, 42 Sheep Street. Uh, not only is it the center of Northampton, it's, it's kind of the center of uh, our county, or I like to think it is, okay? Um, we've just redefined the center of Northamptonshire. It is 42 Sheep Street. Um, I'm sure if you look on Google, that's what it would say. Um, and, you know, this building that we took on two years ago um, was never meant to be just a building to kind of warehouse Christians until they die. Uh, that wasn't our plan. Uh, that actually we wanted this building to be a resource. We wanted it to be a tool, a hub, if you like. And, and we believe that's why God gave it to us. <laughs> that yes, it is a place where worship takes place, but it is also a place where justice flows. It's a place where lives are impacted and transformed. It's a, it's a, a place where the hungry are fed where dignity is restored, where single moms escaping domestic violence can, can find um, a safe place to be, uh, where a single mom can arrive with nothing other than what her and her children are standing in. And there in this place, people gather around her. They love her, pray for her, make her feel human again. They put shoes on the feet of her kids, and they show her what the restorative value of the kingdom looks like. This is what it's like when God's kingdom comes. This is what it's like when the kingdom is near. And so when I think of 42 Sheep Street, I don't just think of this slightly cramped place that we have to go to every Sunday, but I think of a place where lives are being restored, where hope is being given. We also think God has given us a tool to train and equip and release new leaders where ministries can be born, where businesses can be planted. Wouldn't it be great to plant as many businesses as sites <laughs> um, and, and, and plant kingdom businesses into different areas of our, of our communities? And, and, and so we hope as a church we will become a sending place, a place to send people, not just to our county, but also to the nations. And so, so when we dream about what God could do, we recognize he's put a number of tools in our hands. And it's, and it's our task to steward those tools well, uh, to make those tools 
fit for purpose. And so in terms of the future of uh, 42 Sheep Street, um, you know, back in the spring, we showed you some designs that um, uh, a contracting company came up with for us. And, uh, and we said we would go away and, um, and tell you how this might become a reality, okay? And so, but before I do that, um, Tammy's going to come and share just uh, some of the kind of prophetic journey that we've been on uh, and how God has spoken, and then I'm going to give you the, the hard facts, okay? <laughs> I keep putting it down because I'm not comfortable with this. Um, so, for a little while now, just whilst we've been gearing up for big church, God has been speaking to me and he's been definitely taking me on a journey um, this year um, regarding the building part. Um, but, and I really felt like God was saying, I need you to just say some things and to, and to speak about some of the things that um, I've shown you. And... Um, me and my usual disobedience said no. But then uh, last week, God came and gave me a gentle nudge um, by way of a word. And I was like, I'm really being disobedient. <laughs> if I don't, that's, don't do that. So I spoke to Steve and I said, I think, you know, God wants me to share a few things. And he's like, great, go ahead. And I was like, well, well how long have I got? And he said, well, just whatever. He might regret that. But anyway... So <laughs> I just thought about the journey our church has been on. Um, for me, um, I really just have the sense of hearing God in the prophetic. For me, it's really important to, to understand biblically where we're coming from and to know um, that what we're doing and, and, and saying isn't heretical. But for me, it's really important to hear God's voice um, through just in relationship with him, but through words that other people bring to to us. And since we moved here in 1993, we've had continual words um, throughout that whole time. Continual words that the church will rise and will be a beacon on a hill. People will be drawn to it because of the light. Um, I've lost count of how many times we've had that word given to us. Uh, Matthew 5 says, A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Beautiful words. And actually, someone also once gave us a word that our church would not be a light under a bowl but a light on a stand, uh, and hasn't God been gracious to us? Currently, um, if you've been down to 42 Sheep Street, it kind of looks like we're a church under wraps. It's not the most inviting building of all time. So the prophetic words for the building, for us, this particular building started about eight years ago. We were given a really clear prophetic word about a building. The prophetic word said that God had a home for us in a building that sat on some crossroads that hundreds, if not thousands of people on a daily basis drive past. They said it was a very visible location. And at the time, they also said 
Don't go looking for this building because the building's in use and it's not your time. God will direct you. And so I know you, what you're thinking is that we were really obedient and we just said, well, we're just going to sit back on that and wait. But actually, we looked at every single building on every corner in this <laughs> um, for years <laughs> until eventually we gave up and thought, actually, God isn't calling us to a building. Um, anyway, don't do what we do. Listen to God. So um, <laughs> the short version of the journey that ensued from there is that we know that this building is God-given. Even when we're in the process of saying yes to this place and we didn't know it was happening, we had a prophetic word from someone we'd never met that came over to us and they just said, I think God's just saying, I don't know if you're trying to buy a building, but God is saying the building's yours. You know, we were broken. <laughs> so, you know, everything surrounding the purchase um, encouraged us that we were doing the right thing, that Despite Stephen and I's thoughts that we'd never build a, have a building, God has called us to bricks and mortar here. <clears throat> and once we purchased, I had a message from someone that said this. I see you've bought a big old building. But what God showed me is that it wasn't a big old building, but a beautiful ship that you're the captains of. You're going to do a huge 180-degree turn on that ship, and you will sail into new territory. This word at the time, it was heaven sent at the time because we'd had a few, we were having some relational problems with a few people trying to cause division in the church and, and someone had said, you know, oh, your church is just a sinking ship. So for me at that time, that was like, okay, God, <laughs> you always use the, the things that are put against us um, to show that you're for us. Um, and it, remembered, it reminded me that God had given us that destiny, that he is for us. And when we were sitting in the church of office and we'd got these pictures on display, um, one of our members of staff walked in and looked at the pictures. You know, I was sitting there, sing my heart was sinking because we'd just been told the cost. No faith on my part at that moment. And they looked at the picture. They looked at the one of the front of the building with a you know, the big glass walls and the bright yellow light, and they just said, and it was such a throwaway comment for them, but they said, it looks like a huge, beautiful ship. And my heart was transported. That God had spoken those words of comfort, but they continued to resonate. And the seeds of that drawing, how did they come up with that? Steve had a dream, which is a huge rarity for Steve because he doesn't he doesn't move in the kind of prophetic picture or dream sphere he kind of leaves that to me <laughs> um, but he had this dream and then he woke up from this dream and he drew these pictures of this church and he sent it to the um, design company and he said this is what I think it needs to be and they made they then created this we then had two separate words about how the regeneration of our building is the start of what is to come for the rest of Northampton and Northamptonshire and beyond. That our building, again, would be a beacon. Again, back to the word that God has given us for so long. And the other was that the building would be like a flower that was planted. And as it grows and spreads its seeds onwards and outwards, it would be blooming in its trail. I did read Steve's talk this morning, um, yesterday before I wrote these notes, 
You know, he's stolen some of my talk. But I don't know if you've noticed that Northamptonshire has been in the news locally and nationally. He didn't have this in his talk when I read it. But it's for a, po <laughs> you know, and it's not been for a positive reason because we make the best shoes in the world. People in other places in the world know Northampton for their shoes. We have a premiership rugby team, you know, that's celebrated. But what is celebrated in the news is how broke the council is, how desperate they are. Do you know that even the front cover of the New York Times ran a front page article on the struggling high street of Higham Ferris due to um, our council's inability to run their finances. You know, that's, that's big. You know, and for me, God began to speak to me over the past couple of weeks saying, this is not God's story. This isn't God's story for our county. His story is regeneration and a life joining people to him in his light. It breaks God's heart because he loves every person in our county, every soul. You know, and he just reminded me that, you know, often my prayer is, Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours. And he's broken for our county. And the world is knowing about it. But good can come from that. Good can come. At the start of the summer, some of you would have heard the talk I did in our series in Daniel on being a creative minority and how sometimes we have to say yes to the fiery furnace, to entering in because our obedience to God is greater than that of this world. And for me, this building journey has been a challenge. From the minute the costs were mentioned, because yes, Humanly speaking, these costs are huge. To God, it's spare change. But it's been a journey of faith and obedience that has brought us here to this place today. And it's been a huge challenge for me to understand why would we be shown this continual picture of beauty of, and excellence of what God wants to do here in Northampton why would the price tag of that be so huge? That is a problem for me, you know, and I'm not afraid to admit the journey I've been on for that. You know, I grew up poor. You know, we didn't have electricity in our home a lot of the time. It was between food and electricity. And I've had a lifetime of questioning and knowing the cost and the price of everything and how that can impact someone. And so I have questions for God. I wrestle with God. It's really hard because, you know, I, I come before God and I say, how can you ask us to raise this capital when there are people in this world literally dying of starvation? That is a barrier. It's been a huge barrier for me and a huge journey in wanting to move forward in this. But God has, complete, has repeatedly reminded me in this season of the word he has spoken to me about what we have to do 
and what we needed to do to achieve it, even if it's very difficult. Because I know I'm not the only person that will have questions about that. I want those questions answered. You know, if you want to speak to me about the journey I've been on personally, you can come and talk to me. When I have wrestled and God has said to me, I've called you to obedience. You either know what I'm doing and trust me, or I'll just ask someone else to do it. He knows what he wants to do in order to achieve his glory here in this county. And it's too big for me to even comprehend. You know, and I was really, <laughs> um, it's just God really again spoke to me this morning when Deborah came and shared that word about wrestling. Because my obedience has been to just say, okay, God, I don't understand why you would do it, but I am going to live in obedience and trust that you are doing what you intended to do, even if it's scary. And then I just want to finish up by reading this word that was sent to us about understanding, about, for me, not really understanding that this is beyond just here and now, us people in this room. So this is what the word said. I found myself praying for Northampton Vineyard. I see the word Northampton and understand I'm to pray for Northampton Vineyard. Then I see a big wheel which looks just like the London Eye, but it's about Northampton Vineyard. In the center appears words, house of prayer for all nations, as per Isaiah 56. I also hear, zeal for your house will consume me. I see the wheel is moving round, that the people are getting on. As the wheel moves round, people get on to each carriage and are lifted round and up. I see people getting on to each carriage. Strangely, they get on to each carriage, both in twos and threes. I understand this from Owain, that Jesus is saying he has given Northampton Vineyard a wonderful calling to Northampton, Northamptonshire, and to the nations. I feel he is saying that he has called you locally to as far as the eye can see. That is just like the London eye. He has given you vision to see from a heavenly height and to see that far. I understand this means across Northampton, Northamptonshire, but further afield to send and affect the nations. I feel there's a profound central call upon you as a church to be a hub to the nations. There's a sense of call to worship, prayer, and the presence of God being fundamental to who you are. Hearing his voice, understanding his presence, receiving his passion, knowing his will, and being sent out in his power. Jesus clears the temple twice in his ministry, relating to the essentials of Jesus as the object of worship. The people of God being called to worship and the people being drawn from both Jew and Gentile across the nations. I feel Jesus is saying your call to Northampton, Northamptonshire and the nations is primary, fundamentally and profoundly rooted in knowing him in prayer and worship. I feel Jesus has given you a wheel of ministry. It feels like Jesus is calling you as a training ground for multiple leaders. The twos feel like they represent leaders. Mostly leadership couples coming to the wheel and getting in the carriage as they go round. Not dissimilar to Noah's Ark. There's a sense of Jesus calling leaders to you. I feel like Jesus is saying you have a training school in your midst. The wheels represent a continual turnover of leaders and leadership being prepared and raised up to be trained, equipped 
released both near and far. I feel that this work stretches your faith. There's a sense of preparing for the next turn of the wheel, the next training school, the next leaders, as those spaces at times will be filled at last moment. It's almost as if leaders aren't there or finances aren't available, but faith and risk will be part of your stretching. I have sensed that at times you will propose and prepare a new outreach, a new church plant, or even preparing, and you're not sure who will lead it. But the next wheel of faith is coming round. I've sensed that Jesus is calling you to multiple plants, outreaches, and mission expressions. In summary, I feel Jesus is saying you are called to Northampton, Northamptonshire, and the nations that you're a house of prayer for the nations, a place of seeking God, hearing his voice and finding his calling locally and further afield. Sorry, some of it's repeating. And that you will grow in wisdom, experience, releasing vision and leaders of leaders. You are a house of prayer for the nations with godly passion and zeal that consumes you. We are called to greater things as a church than we can ever imagine. And this is just part of God's cog in the wheel for something that outlives even what we're doing right now. And so I just really felt like I I wanted to share that part of the journey that I've been on because it's just been, it's been very real and very heartfelt. Um, And if there's people here this morning that struggle, I just want to say, come and speak to me. Mm, Thank you. So we just want to be really honest for you. You know, we really feel that the development of 42 Sheep Street is really kind of, it's almost like a prophetic message to our county that that as uh, things have fallen apart, as they lay in ruins, one of the ways that we're going to rebuild the ruins of the city is to bring new life to this property. Uh, um, We had a surveyor come a few weeks ago, and the first thing he sent to me, you know, just looking at what we've done so far, he's like, well, this is like the phoenix from the ashes. Um, And I just really felt in that moment, it was just another one of those moments where God was just confirming what he's been saying to us. And so um, we've decided uh, to approach this project in two phases, uh, unless a miracle happens, okay? So if a miracle happens, forget everything I'm about to tell you, Uh, okay? But but just humanly speaking, we we are hoping to approach this project in two phases, Uh, And, you know, this is more than just raising money for bricks and mortar. This is about us investing above and beyond uh, in all that God has called us to to be and do. And so over the next two weeks, we are inviting everybody who calls Central Vineyard home and those who don't um, to consider how you might respond financially uh, to what we're we're about to do. Uh, And so the invitation is open to you. And so I just want to break down... Uh, some of those figures. So hold your seats. This is going to be quick, okay, because I'm conscious of time. And so uh, first of all, uh, we are looking to raise, I think we've got a slide, Uh, we're looking to raise uh, £12,000 in order to launch our Wellingborough site. Uh, This will buy all the equipment that we need uh, and everything that you expect from a central vineyard Uh, Sunday service. So that's our first goal. That's the first fruit of what we want to raise money for. Uh, Then on the building front, uh, to move things forward, uh, we need to enter into what we're calling a design stage. 
uh, where we're going to um, um, begin a relationship with um, uh, building uh, inspectors and carrying out various surveys and health and safety and all those kinds of things. That is going to cost about £22,000. That's horrible, isn't it? £22,000 on paperwork. Uh, it makes me feel sick. Um, um, uh, then... Oh, and then um, one of the ways, and I'll, I'll talk about this in a bit, one of the ways that we think we're going to finance this is to possibly remortgage or um, extend the mortgage that we currently have. And in order for us to make that application process, it's going to cost around £15,000. We're going to pay solicitors, can you believe that? And um, no solicitors in the room, are there? Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure why conveyancy costs money, because they just repeat themselves constantly, don't they? Uh, but anyway. Um, uh, yeah. And once all that's done, um, we will be ready to begin the refurbishments. And, uh, and so those figures, although significant, they're fairly palatable. The next figure is slightly larger, and that's £378,000. <laughs> Uh, and that is going to do all the refurbishments. That will give us a 350-seater auditorium. Uh, that will give us new toilets, uh, you'll be pleased to know, uh, a new kitchen, new breakout area, uh, and basically make the downstairs habitable. Uh, and so um, on top of that, uh, having a 350-seater auditorium means we need to make a, a new investment in audiovisual equipment. And so um, just the nature of the space means uh, we need to make some new investments there. We, we need to invest in some modest lighting and stuff like that. And, and on top of that would be another £48,000. Uh, so the total for phase one is 475000 If I say it quickly, it doesn't sound that bad, does it? Um, um, uh, and by doing it in two phases, uh, it means that the other phase would be the reconstruction of the entrance and the installation of a lift on the entrance level so we can have access to both floors. Uh, and phase two would be approximately another 250,000. Um, and we don't want to stop launching sites. So we also uh, plan to launch a Ketrin site uh, at some point next year, hopefully. And again, that will be another 12,000 pounds. So again, the second phase would be that figure. Um, if I don't say it, it's not real. Um, so you might think, how? How are we going to do this? Um, well, I want to give you just a possible scenario. Uh, one, one scenario, how we might break this down. Uh, so one of the things uh, I said was hopefully we might be able to raise some capital by extending or remortgaging the property. Uh, currently, we owe about £320,000 uh, on the property. Um, so just to give you an idea, if our property uh, was worth, um, I don't know, let's say about 800000 okay? So that's a, a kind of modest estimation of what the property could be worth. We could borrow about 70% of that value um, and extend our mortgage. Um, and, and, and in borrowing, 70% of that value would pay off our existing mortgage, and we would have about £240,000 capital to go towards uh, the development. And, and, you know, that's a very normal thing to do. Uh, churches, I know churches that have done that kind of thing before, released in equity from their property to do that. So that's one strategy. 
uh, that we would take. That would leave a shortfall of about 235,000 for this first phase. Um, and, and so we think we can do that in a couple of ways. Uh, the first would be through gifts and donations. Uh, and the other would be through grant funding. And so one of the things we're going to do this time around is begin to apply uh, for different grants that are available, things that favor these kinds of projects and developments. So if that valuation is true, and if we are able to release that much equity, that's very much um, just an idea at this moment in stage. Uh, initially, we need to raise 187000 to start work. Uh, and then sometime at the beginning part of next year, we need to raise another 48000 to complete some of the AV installation and all of that. Um, and, and so that's, that's one way that we think we can get there. As I say, if a miracle takes place, um, you know, that would be fantastic. And we just will change our plans. Um, once the lower floor is completed, we can move in. Uh, if you're in Northampton, it means you can go to one service. Ooh. <laughs> um, we don't have to have two services anymore unless the church grows. Um, um, I knew some of you would like that. Um, and then once we've moved into the lower floor, then we will think, think about phase two and what fundraising looks like for phase two. So we, we're kind of focusing our energy on phase one. We're not completely sure how we do phase two yet. Um, there are some options ahead. A miracle, yes. And so, um, so at the end of the service today, we're going to end in like a few minutes' time. Um, the welcome team have got some brochures for you. Um, and uh, you can read through some of these figures that we've, um, we've, uh, we've just put together. Uh, well, we haven't just put together. We have thought about it. <laughs> but um, these figures. Uh, Timescales. Some of you have been, might think, what's the timescales? If we raise all the capital um, and our contractor is available, uh, we would love to get things moving as soon as possible. Um, and so we would love to get all the equipment purchased for Wellingborough. It starts next week, okay, just to let you know. Uh, we'd love to get all the equipment done. Um, we'd love to get all the behind-the-scenes stuff done and pay all the solicitors and all those people and all those things. Um, and our, if we can get all that done and have all the capital, our can contractors can hopefully um, take over the lower floor from December. And they've given us a timescale of 16 weeks. Unfortunately, there's this inconvenient thing called Christmas. So we think um, if everything went to plan, we could be moving to the lower floor of Sheep Street sometime in late spring, early summer um, next year. Um, and, and so what we're asking of you, we're asking you for the next two weeks to prayerfully consider how God might have you partner with him uh, in this campaign. Uh, we're inviting everybody, as I say, who calls CV their church home to prayerfully consider how you might give, how you might contribute to this. Uh, and, you know, if God has stirred your hearts um, and actually we raise more money, you know, we'll, we'll make another plan. We'll, we'll, we'll work some again. Uh, and, and so we're inviting those of you um, over the next two weeks to bring uh, what you feel the Lord has put on your heart to give in one-off gifts and donations. Uh, you'll be able to do that on Sundays both here in Northampton and in Wellingborough. And if you want to give uh, online or via your bank, um, the website should have gone live uh, at some point this morning, so you can also uh, do that as well. Um, 
and, and we just want to make sure everybody gets all the right information. So we'll make sure everything is communicated. Now, for some of us, um, we may feel like a one-off gift is a, a relatively small thing that we, we can make. Uh, and for others, it might be tens of thousands of pounds. But together, we want to respond to the Lord's prompting uh, in accordance with the resources that he has given us. Others of us might decide that actually a one-off gift isn't a, a thing that you can do, but you might be able to do a monthly amount through the means of a pledge. And a pledge over one, two, three, or even four years can make a significant uh, a difference. And, and so, so whilst um, you might not be able to give a one-off gift, you might be able to, in addition to your regular giving, um, make a pledge to, to what we're doing. Um, just to give you an example, £1,500 in pledges a month over three years equals about £54,000. That's a significant amount of money uh, through just the number of people choosing to pledge. And then lastly, if you've been around this church for a while and um, you wouldn't consider yourself a regular, consistent giver, maybe in this campaign, that's the step that you take, that um, you just become a regular giver to the life of the church because all that um, all that we get contributes to the whole bigger picture of what we're doing anyway and so maybe that's the starting block for you is just to become a, a regular giver also throughout this campaign uh, we're stepping into a 21 day period of prayer uh, we're going to have uh, daily emails uh, going out um, encouraging you to pray uh, over the next 21 days um, and also, you'll be able to also follow along on social media. Um, and, you know, we just really want to soak this time in prayer. That we believe, actually, God can do miracles, and he can do more than we can imagine. And, um, and so we just want to cry out to God and come and move and do a miracle uh, uh, amongst us. Uh, and so this, you know, this is a completely bonkers, crazy, and humanly speaking you know, totally uh, unachievable task ahead of us, okay? That's the level of, no, it's not the level of faith. But humanly speaking, we can't do this. We can't muster this up. You know, I did do the maths. I did think, you know, what's half a million divided by 250? You know, and, you know, we just charge you all subs. Um, you know, we, could, we could do that. Problem solved. Um, but that isn't how the Lord works. Um, you know, together we can choose to give equal, equally sacrificially. It's not necessarily equal amounts, but it's equal uh, sacrifice. And, and when we choose to make an equal amount of sacrifice, we believe God can do a miracle. That as we look above and beyond, as we look to the one who provides all things, as we place our hand in his, and we invest, and, and we see um, the part that we play as a church in, in what he's doing in bringing renewal to all things in our county, we believe something amazing can happen, not just in the form of bricks and mortar, but in, in the form of lives being transformed, in the form of people who aren't sitting in seats right now being reached. Uh, and people who can be impacted for the sake of the kingdom. That's what this is all about. It's about seeing the kingdom extended. And 42 Sheep Street is just a small part of that 
But a significant part of that is the place, it's the base from where we do all that we do.